Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5 by 2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Uh, for today's episode, we're continuing with our focus of the Sunday morning Bible group uh, led by Pastor John and Pastor Adam called Grace and Truth. And Julie Dietrich is joining us again to help co-host, and we look forward to having this conversation today. So as we go back and look at what John and Adam are talking about, they're focusing on grace and truth. And it's one of those things for a lot of us, those are opposites. What they're trying to get us to see is that they're not opposites. They, they work well together. So, yeah, to kind of get us started before we get going too far. So can we start with some definitions, George? Can you get us going <laughs> first? Can you define truth and grace? And I think you're playing on leading into a few things. Great there. idea, Dustin. So as we are talking about truth, we're talking ultimately about what God says as it's written out in the Bible. And this includes both law and gospel. And I think this is one of the confusions we were talking about last week. Let me just tell you what law is. Law is what God requires of us. It's what we've done wrong. And the gospel is what God does for us, how he has redeemed us. And so when we're talking about truth, the truth tells us we are sinners and yet we are forgiven sinners. We are fallen short, and yet God still loves us. So that's the law and gospel are both contained in truth. Now, grace, on the other hand, is God's undeserved love. And so when we think about grace, we always think about it being the gospel, and that's true. The gospel is what tells us what God has done for us. But ultimately, what we're talking about in this discussion is grace is also how we're supposed to live out that relationship that we have with God as we live in relationship with others. So there's a lot that's in there. We're going to keep having to talk about this, and it's, it's not always as clear a distinction as we have. So one of the discussions we want to have today is, again, that idea. Let's start off with that. Why do people confuse truth with law? Well, first of all, thanks for all those definitions. And if anybody out there is confused, I think we are too, just keeping all those definitions straight in our mind and seeing how they all connect with each other. Dustin was talking earlier before we started, just that truth, law, we we sometimes put a negativity with truth because we so closely connect it to law, but maybe it's more the word rigid or more the word, uh, help me out here, there's probably another describer. Well, I would, you know, besides rigid, I think maybe the, the problem with truth is that as Christians, all too often we focus on what people are doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we want to speak God's truth about what they're doing wrong and ignore the truth is also what God has done to bring them out of that wrong into a relationship with him. And so I think a lot of our situations, our society today, we think we've got to bring the truth of God's word because we need to change society by changing behavior. And it's one of those things we've talked about over the years. You know, when we want to bring people into a relationship with Jesus, what is it that we need them to do first? And oftentimes we as Christians who have been Christians a long time want them to behave first. And if they behave, then they'll believe. And then if they believe, then they'll belong. Hmm. No, the the big B's. I'm I'm going to say a bunch of these words that are going to confuse people more. But one of the things that we've seen before is oftentimes people want to belong first and they want to feel like they're part of the group. Then they start to believe and their belief leaves them to behavior. And as we talk to people with the truth, they don't care about the truth that they don't know who the truth speaker is. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If I don't know Jesus as the truth, what does it matter what he says about how I should live my life? Yeah, and I think I'm, again, processing as you're talking there. There's a lot of great stuff in there. So we talk about obedience, which obviously is a good thing, 
But as you're saying, if somebody doesn't even, if they're not even sure they trust or believe yet, then they don't necessarily probably see that reason to be obedient, right? And I think the other thing is our obedience should be out of response to the gospel, out of response to God's love and grace, because our obedience isn't to earn anything. Because if we're doing that, then we're falling into works and like we're trying to earn our way. But no, it's about what Jesus has done, it's about who he is. And so I think that's the other thing that's important is instead of, yeah, like you said, it's coming so focused on the behavior, it's let's tell you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you and learning people's stories, hearing what their needs are, and then being able to apply the gospel to their story. Because again, the gospel, I've said this before in the podcast, the gospel doesn't change at all, but the situations, the circumstances how we maybe present it or apply it to somebody's story could be a little bit different. I mean, I could go into numerous examples of that, but again, it doesn't change the gospel, it just changes maybe how it applies or to a certain person's story because they have this desire that or longing of the heart that then you can speak the gospel to. I think I heard something there, Dustin, that maybe leads to where we have that confusion. Our behavior is supposed to be a response to God's grace, It's not our way to earn God's favor. And I think that's where a lot of Christians have got this twisted idea, even to start off with, about the difference between truth and grace, is that a lot of them think, I need to behave so God's not mad at me. And I think that's been, you know, some of the fire and brimstone preachers that we notoriously refer to as, like, scaring, quote, the hell out of everybody. It's because they've got that mistaken perception of truth and grace. They think the truth is, you better behave so God will love you. And the ultimate truth of grace is that God loves us no matter what, but because of his love, we want to show love to others and we want to obey his commandments to show him that we appreciate what he's done for us. We could, back to what you said, never ever earn it. So as you're thinking about that, one of the points that Pastor Adam brought up was the word wretch in the song Amazing Grace. One of the phrases is that saved a wretch like me. And so when you think about the word wretch, I know this was a discussion they had. What do you think about when you hear the word wretch? Like despicable or just not worthy, just low, lower than low. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I don't know if there's much more to to add to that. But yeah, just like you said, kind of the the lowest or not worthy, as Julie said. I know I'm just kind of echoing whatever whatever Julie said. I appreciate that. She just gave the the perfect answer, right? So I can't really add to it. My last name is Webster. There you go. And your your middle name's Miriam? Sure. That's cute. So, But didn't Pastor Adam say, what if we took the word wretch out and put the word soul? Correct? Didn't he? His point in that, though, was that I think in our society, we want to avoid the words that make us feel bad. Mm. So wretch, you said unworthy. Um, Helpless might be another word. In our society, we don't want to be told that we're sinners. And that's one of the things that a lot of contemporary preachers have done is they've, they've shied away from the word of sin, and they're always talking about just God's love. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And it's 100% true that God loves us, and yet it starts originally back again with the truth that we're sinners. We are wretches. Yeah, we have a soul that God had created and that God loves greatly, but that soul needs to be redeemed because by nature we are sinful and unclean, and we deserve nothing but punishment now and for eternity. And yet Christ came and redeemed us. And because of him, now we are worthy. We're not wretches anymore, but not because, Dustin, what you said, like not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did for us. 
Yeah, and again, I think back to that word, it's a, you know, the response. We Kind of going back to the obedience part of our obedience is, again, out of response to God's love, out of response to the gospel. As we were talking, there was a song that popped into my head called Holy Water. Hmm. We've had it, played it at New Song before, but there's a couple lines in there where it's like, don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Hmm. And I think sometimes we think of, like discipline is good, but like, you know, we talk about behavior and like trying to change behavior instead of, again, allowing our response to God's love, God's grace is that's that motivation then that makes us want to change and makes people want to change instead of just trying to fix a behavior. It's like, no, let's, you know, let's go through this and allow God to motivate us through his love and grace to want to, to change. Because I just think that line just really hits me of like, it's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. When you think how amazing God's love and amazing God's grace is, that it's like, man, like I, because of that, out of response to that, I want to do everything I can. I want to be obedient. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to live my life the right way. Again, not to earn anything, but it's just because of what God has done and how amazing it is. Mm, Dustin, I love that. I love that line. In fact, when I hear that song and I hear those lines, like transparency, total, like it brings me to tears, but it also transparency. Like I grew up in a Christian home, like from day one, well, day 15, I was baptized, but like, I don't know a day. I don't know of a time when I wasn't a baptized child of God. Right. But there is some complacency that can come with that. Like, oh, I'm baptized. I'm good. Right. So when I hear those words, I always think of, I don't want to abuse that. I don't want to abuse that gift by not remembering it, not by not wanting to respond, by not wanting to grow. And when we get in that mindset of like, well, God did it for us. There's not much else. There's, it's nothing I did. It's all what he did. We, it's dangerous. We can get into that mindset of, I don't have to do anything. So therefore, why do I need to grow? Not that I'm in that spot, but it's sure. easy to go there. You know, I think I brought it up in last week's podcast, but Pastor Adam used that illustration this week of the prodigal son and the indignant brother. And I think, Julie, your comment about uh, a lot of us that have been in church our whole lives, we're the indignant brother. Mm. we've always known God's love. We've always known the the support of our brothers and sisters around us. And sometimes that not only makes us complacent, but it actually makes us indignant when we look at some of the, the new Christians coming in or, or when we look at trying to share the gospel with those that are maybe outside of our comfort zone. Well, you know, they're prodigals. They ran away. They wasted everything. You know, God's given them blessings and they've walked away. Why should we let them participate? And we forget everything God says, right? The loving father, my son, my daughter, you've always been with me. And everything I have is yours. That grace, we don't deserve it either. Mm-hmm. And yet he just showers on us everything. Everything I have is yours. And so that, again, ought to motivate us. And that's where the, we go back to the, the truth and the law. You know, the law is not just for others. It's also for us. You know, we talked about three functions of the law. The first function of the law is just to curb those gross outbreaks. That's why we have rules, right, to keep us from, from doing things, to keep us in line. But the second thing, the mere aspect, is what we as Christians need to show us, hey, I'm not that good. I've fallen short. I've fallen short. Now, the third function then says, and this is what I can do to show God I love him. But going back again, Dustin, it's not to show me how I'm earning salvation. The law shows me my sin. I need that gospel that shows me my Savior. Yeah, because God's law is good, right? But it doesn't save, you know? And so I think that's that's important where it's, 
you know, we were talking about before, sometimes we can almost think of like the law as this negative thing. Like, no, it, it is good. And it's, you know, as George was saying, those, those different reasons. And ultimately it's because God knows what's best for us, right? And we should follow those things because he knows what's best for us. Even though sometimes I know in my, you know, in, in my life, I think I know best or know better than God. And, you know, that's that, the sinfulness coming out, right? But um, I think it's important that, yeah, God's law is good, but it doesn't save. Julie, I'm going to go back to your history as a teacher, right? As a teacher, you set up law, guidelines, rules for the classroom, but you did it out of love for the students, right? Right. I mean, there were definite first week protocols that had to be reviewed and structures that had to be reviewed constantly and reminded. But I think, honestly, what I figured out was there would be so much more positive response from students and also response overall from students because I had a relationship with them. If I could figure out a way to connect with them and figure out what made them tick and the one thing maybe that we had in common, sometimes it took the whole year to figure it out, but I was always searching for what did I have in common with those students and how could I talk with them and relate with them because their response was so much different to all that protocol and structure when they knew I cared about them. So, I mean, if you parallel that to our relationship with Christ, I mean, he loves us. We, we are his children. No matter what we do, he's going to love us. He's He wants that relationship with us. When we don't foster that relationship, if we don't listen to the Spirit and help to foster that relationship, we're just doing ourselves a, you know, we're not doing ourselves any favors because then the law looks a whole lot more negative. Yeah, kind of thinking back to God when he gave those laws. The Jewish people have a different first commandment. It's about, I, the Lord your God, have brought you out of Egypt. I am the only God. It's that relationship. Mm -hmm. He first reminds them, I love you. I have rescued you from the Egyptians. I brought you out. And now, in order for us to be happy and healthy where we're going, here's the rules that we're going to set up. The rules, the guidelines you had in your classroom as kids knew that you cared about them, that you they, they were individuals. Then when you shared, and this is the way we're going to treat others, they go, oh, well, that's because that's how she treats us. Mm. Well, that was sweet, George. <laughs> well, you know, uh, my son loved being in your class. Aww. He still talks about it. But I think, again, when you think back to teachers or you think back even to pastors, the people that have had an influence on your moral development, you saw their example, you saw their love, and you wanted to live that out. Mm, yeah. You wanted to please them, not because you were trying to earn their favor, that you already knew that you had their favor, but you wanted to show them you appreciated it, you respected them, that you loved them too. And God puts people like that in your life for that purpose, not just to be buddies or friends or your aunt or your uncle, but he wants us to see those examples for a reason. We just have to have our eyes open to it. I think something that comes to mind as we're talking about this like obedience and talk about good works and George correct me if I'm wrong but I believe Luther said something along the lines of God doesn't need our good works but our neighbor does or, or might and so I think that's something important to think of too is like I feel like we kind of need that sense of urgency that you know there's people who are lost and we need to have that urgency of looking where is God already at work in people's lives and how can we join in on that because again, we're not the ones that do the work. It's it's you know it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But where can we be those willing messengers and be willing to step into 
the chaos and messiness of life. And, you know, I think back as we're recording this episode to this last weekend of Pastor Adam's sermon of it can be simple if we decide to kind of, I think he phrased it as like focus on regulations instead of relationships, right? That it's a little bit simpler life. But if you step into relationships over regulations, if you step into that messiness, it's complicated. And it is. It is complicated, but it's also beautiful because in those moments you see where you have no control. And as much as I, like someone like me that wants control, like I have to learn to realize how reliant I truly am on God and to be able to be in those moments and see God at work and see the spirit at work. Like it just to see that is just it's beautiful and it's amazing, even in the midst of, of the chaos. So I think it's just something that as we think about these things of like, how can we find those ways to build relationships with people? and to share the love of God. So just looking for those opportunities as we talk about grace and truth and all those things, like how can we bring the gospel, share the gospel to people and look where God's already at work because God's in the business of restoration. And so, yeah. Just hearing what you were saying, I was just reflecting on Pastor Adam's sermon as well. And I think sometimes we tend to think other people's messiness is messier than our messiness. But I think Pastor Adam reminded us that God restored us from our messiness, so we need to meet others. And that really resonated with me. It's not a messiness competition. We're all messes. So, And and also, this is related, but... One simple thing I got out of his sermon, and I told him this the next day, was I think I avoid saying people's names when I say hello because I don't want to get it wrong. Well, because I'm avoiding a mess, right? And just being real and being okay with messing up a name, it's better than waiting three years and then messing up a name. So, so many little tidbits coming out of that sermon that really challenged me. Just appreciated it. Well, this is a side note, but I am the, I am the squirrel in the group. So what you just said about names, you know, uh, and the messiness of it, somebody asked me Sunday, he goes, now remind me of your name. And I said my name, and I, I should have said, now remind me of your name also, oh. it, because it would have made him more comfortable. Plus, I think I know his name, but I don't know yeah. for sure. You know, so some, if you're listening, introduce <laughs> yourself to George again. <laughs> well, and it's, it, but it's huge. It's, it it, it kind of goes back to that whole, we don't want to look bad. You know, it goes, you know, you're my primal question. Am I good enough? You know, we don't want to look bad in front of somebody else. And again, I think that's where Christians sometimes get that reputation. We're hiding behind the goodness of being a Christian when our lives are just as messy as others. And I think that's where sometimes we get that judgment of the world about being hypocrites, right? You Christians, you're just as bad as us. And then we sometimes we take the easy way because I've seen those bumpers. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Yeah, that's true, but in the midst of it, am I trying to lord that over somebody else and say, my mess isn't as big as yours? Mm. So we are all a mess. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Oh, absolutely. And as we're talking about restoration, God's restoration, and it comes back to something you said at the beginning of the podcast, George, about sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at people's behaviors, right? And when we think about God's restoration, instead of seeing the negative or sinful behaviors, like seeing the good, um, the potential of each person, you know, back to Vision 28, how do we see that potential of that person and not focusing so much on the behavior and and those things? And again, there's time and place for all that, but more focusing on seeing their potential, seeing them as a person created in the image of God, seeing them as a dearly loved and forgiven child of God, and kind of starting there. And again, I think that's, I love that part of the the Vision 28 potential of each person of seeing that versus 
just automatically seeing the behaviors. And I think part of it maybe is sometimes you guys chime in. Do we almost feel, and I say we, but like the three of us, that it's almost our responsibility that if somebody has like those behaviors that like to call them on it or to fix them. I, I don't know. Like, is that something that we feel maybe too? Is that it's like, it's almost our responsibility when we see those behaviors? Does that, does that make sense? That question I'm asking? Yeah. And I think the we can be expanded. I would say just on the, the gut instinct, we as Christians think we need to speak up and change society by saying this is wrong. And that there's an element of truth to that, but yeah. just to point it out in somebody's life, does not really work for change. You know, going back to what Julie said, I think when God asks us to correct people, it's not to correct those people that are outside of the fold. That I need to speak the truth to Julie or to Dustin about things in her life because I have a relationship with them. Until, again, like Julie said in her classroom, until I establish a relationship with somebody, I'm not going to change them, and I'm probably not going to change society. Because society is focused on the sinfulness, really, if you really look at it, that God says the world's going to get worse and worse until he comes again. And we always think, well, wait, we need to change the world. But sin is, is going to have its way until Jesus comes back as the victor and, and puts everything back the way it's supposed to be. On the flip of that, Pastor Adam, I think, said in the Sunday morning Bible class, he said something about what happens when we have all grace and no truth. Because I can very easily lean to grace without truth because I just want to be nice to everybody. And I want everybody, I think I said that last week, I just want everybody to like me. I don't like conflict. I don't like negativity. I just want everybody to be happy. (laughs) So I often lean toward ignoring the truth and just being full of grace because I just want to be accepting and not have that conflict. So when you said something about we want to point out the, the behaviors of others, sometimes I um, kind of close my eyes to it because I just want to be nice and accept them. So what do you think about that? Well, that goes back again <laughs> to that the tension, not the conflict, the tension between grace and truth. We need to have both. Right. And they're both good. Dustin said, they're both good. They're, you know, we just need them in a different situation. We're almost out of time. Mm. But I wanted to bring up one other concept that's huge that was in the end of the Bible study on Sunday. What is fair? Mm. Because people won't want to say God's not fair because... And I think this is, we, without going into a whole difference between denominations, this is where some denominations have gotten into the idea of an in-between thing between heaven and hell, because it wouldn't be fair if somebody that came to faith at the end of their life got the same reward as somebody that being a Christian their whole mm. life. God's not fair. The parable that Pastor Adam brought up was the parable, I think it was Pastor Adam, not Pastor John, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And whether you got hired in the morning or at noon or one hour before the end of the day, you were paid the same amount. And all the people that were paid go, that's not fair. fair. And how many times haven't we heard that from our kids or our students or our friends? It's not fair. What is fair? Hmm. You know, I, I, I also used to tell my kids when they complain, it's not fair. And then I go, you don't want me to treat you fairly because if I treated every one of my kids, and that their definition was everyone gets treated the same And it's like, well, if I treated you fairly, then the younger one would have just as many privileges as the older one. Well, the older one gets more privileges because they're older. Well, that's not fair, is it? Isn't it the hope that God doesn't treat us fairly but justly? I think that was Adam's point. We don't. God treats us justly, not necessarily fairly. So what's the definition of justly? 
Jesse is when we get what we deserve. Hmm. Or no, because otherwise we wouldn't get grace. We Did I just stump George? No, I think you <laughs> brought up the topic for the next time we're together. Yeah. yeah, in terms of definition... I don't know. I, I thought earlier you said you were the your last name was Webster, so I was leaning towards <laughs> Julie. Um, but did I say that? <laughs> uh, I think, in terms of fairness, like I'm glad that God doesn't treat me fairly, right? right? Because right. if it's fair, then I deserve you know deserve punishment and, mm-hmm. and all that. But like Jesus took my place for me, and so I'm glad that it's not fair. And we'll probably want to cut this part out because I may be opening a whole different thing here. But but also is it in terms of our, our Lutheran beliefs, when in the Bible it talks about different people who receive different rewards and things in heaven, is that a whole different ball game there? And George is looking like he doesn't <laughs> want to go down that road at all, so we'll probably cut this out. Well, but. here's the deal. Because we're running close on time, this is the challenge for all of our believers. I would ask you, uh, as the, the listeners here, for, to spend the next week thinking about the idea of fairness. Is God fair? Is he just? What's the difference between those? Is there a conflict between those? We want to continue our discussions on our next episode. So, Dustin, Julie. George. Put our thinking caps on, and we'll, we'll plan on that for next week. Good job. All right. Thank you for wrapping us up, George. And uh, just thank you for those of you that are tuning in and listening. And uh, we look forward to continuing these conversations on, on grace and truth. Now, go out and serve God and others.